In today's episode of The Weekly Hustle, I'm going to be talking about quitting coffee, Asian parents, and a song that everyone needs to listen to, especially during this Black Lives Matters movement as well. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to The Weekly Hustle. If you're new to The Weekly Hustle, this is a, a show where I cover two things. One, I want to share cool people, processes, tools, and ideas for entrepreneurial hustlers who want to be great, who want to be masters of their craft. Second thing, um, I'm here to document my process of the long-term game of hitting $10 million, my goal for generational wealth, and I uh, want to do it in real life kind of tutorial on that. Uh, basically, this week, what I'm going to be sharing is how I quit coffee and why I did it, how I'm struggling with staying focused, why Asian parents don't say I love you, thought exercises I'm revisiting to be more productive and be more creatively productive, and a song that everyone needs to listen to during this time. Also, if you want to shoot me a question, feel free to shoot me an email at subscribers at refugeehustle.com. Subscribe to my email list at refugeehustle.com slash join. Um, that way I can send you updates and any other personal goodies. I send tools and all these things to my email list as well. But before we start, I want to address something because right now at the time of the shooting, we're going through some pretty life-changing stuff right now. Um, times are obviously times are changing. I don't want to just not say anything. Um, let's call out the obvious during the time of the shooting. There's a lot of things changing. Um, we first, we have the Rona and now we have the George Floyd uh, protest, you know, which wasn't just sparked by this one event. It was actually sparked by a series of events that have been happening over the last few years. Um, you know, no one, I guess it's, it's just pent up anger and all this because of lack of accountability from the legal system. Blue protects blue. I can get all political about it, but that's not the point of this as well. You know, at first I was really thinking about what to really say about this and whether I wanted to do a dedicated post, but you know, uh, and there has been a lot of backlash toward uh, people who don't say anything at all. But here's here's what I really want to say about this is sometimes we don't need to say anything. And why do I say this? Because first, it's more important to listen than react. You know, it's so rare these days where we actually, you know, take the time to invest the time to listen to different perspectives. And even if we don't agree with others, you know happened with the with the um black lives matters movement that's why people are rioting people are protesting because they feel like they're not heard they feel like you know nothing is being done and they feel like they have no options um and i think it's time to really start the discussion on this because it's been so one-sided for a long time so that's just my two cents so i want to say here and the truth is sometimes we don't need to say anything and i know people are like wait, how could you say that? Do you not care? But listen for a second. Sometimes rather than making a lot of noise, it's more powerful to listen first, to understand first, and then you can react. You know, it's quite rare, especially that I noticed with this new generation. Oftentimes it's so rare that we invest the time to understand different perspectives, even if we don't agree with them. And we need more of that. And so if you want to know how to start listening, how to understand different people's uh, people's perspectives, I'll be sharing something at the end. Also, one final thing, because I feel super strongly about this is don't give away your rights, guys. 
uh, stay informed. Um, you should be concerned when you see report uh, reporters getting shot. You should be concerned about our rights being taken away, being forced to be under curfew and whatnot as well. So just something to notice as well um, and never surrender your rights because once we lose them, we'll never get them back. And we live in the country of the free. Keep in mind, so many people died for this country trying to have this freedom, even uh, even right now to be able peaceful protest. That's an American right. So something that I feel superly strongly about. Anyways, back to the content. Quick pause. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you want to stay updated with my content, I'll be posting a lot of personal videos and episodes of Weekly Hustle. So make sure to boost the algorithm by giving me a like. Fight against those dislike bots that I'm getting on my channel right now. And uh, just really show your support because uh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of need it right now. All right. So today I'm going to be talking about how I'm challenging myself. And one of the things that I really wanted to start challenging myself with is quitting coffee. So in today's video, I'm going to talk about how I survived quitting coffee and caffeine for 14. Actually, right now it's like week 28 cold turkey. So the first question I want to ask you guys is that are you addicted to caffeine and coffee? And you know, recently or about a month ago, I actually quit coffee, cold turkey. And if you told me that I would be quitting ca caffeine a month ago, I would have said that you're out of your mind. Like for me, I've been a caffeine user for the longest time. Uh, it's been coffee has been so integrated into my work ever since I can remember. I first started in college and uh, worked my way up to bougie coffee, drinking from independent coffee shops. And I ingrained into my work so much where, you know, as a pharmacist, I would go there before work, after work, do some self-work. I would also work on my business ideas. And even now as well, not now during Rona, but you know, one of my favorite things to do is just go to a coffee shop, chill there, do a lot of work. And that's, I would be the happiest person in the world. And so, uh, it's been, it's been a central part of my life, both as a, uh, in my career, both as a pharmacist and ex pharmacist too. So whether it's staying up for late night study sessions or counting pill faster in the pharmacy, uh, coffee was always there for me. So why did I end up quitting? And contrary to belief, caffeine was actually killing my productivity. Uh, it sounds a little counterintuitive, so I think it's important for me to explain a little bit first. When I first started drinking caffeine, um, it was magical, man. Like the first sip of caffeine that you take, it's like you're pulling, pouring gas on a fire. You just feel lit up you know, with all this energy. But over time, um, any other caffeine users out there knows what I mean when I talk about this is that caffeine consumption tends to creep up on you, right? One cup of coffee turned into six cups. And what was, yeah, I would literally finish this whole pot of coffee in such a short amount of time. And what was once really fun, productive, energizing for me actually ended up doing nothing for me. And what was really interesting about that was like, I knew I had a problem when I bought one of those um, vanilla chameleon black coffees, right? And it's this huge bottle concentrate. I finished it in one day and I didn't feel anything. And I knew I had a problem that I was probably addicted to caffeine or at that point. And so uh, I wanted to mention three things that I noticed after 10 years of using caffeine as well that things that I didn't notice initially, but definitely started noticing more recently, even within the last past year. And I thought it was just due to, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, but you know what? I think it's actually due to coffee instead. 
Uh, first thing I noticed was that I had horrible sleep quality. I tried to cut off my caffeine consumption around 3 p.m., but I was having so much trouble falling and staying asleep. I think the half-life for caffeine is about five hours, by the way. But I would still have these bouts of early morning insomnia. And if you don't know what early morning insomnia is, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Basically, you wake up really early in the morning and you just can't go back to sleep. And it's a complete productivity killer. Um, so there was that. Also, second thing, I had a really, really short productivity window. Like coffee was amazing when I want to get all my shit done in, in the morning, right? Um, every morning I would go on like this four hour energy high by drinking coffee. Like I would literally wake up, wake up, pour a glass of coffee. If I make cold brew or brew, um, pour, like brew up some hot water and then, um, make my coffee there. But like the amount of focus that you get on caffeine is crazy, but it's always short lived. And I would be, you know, it would be 11. I would get up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., drink the coffee and then 11 a.m. would hit every single day, and I was completely tapped out. It was so bad that I couldn't even get back to work. It was very, very, very difficult for me. Keep in mind, too, I was also intermittent fasting, too. So I felt like a zombie. It's like that feeling where you feel tired, but you're not tired enough to go to sleep. So that's what I was going through. And also, one thing, another, the third thing I noticed was that I just felt anxious over time, right? Um, I noticed that my state anxiety, a uh, state of anxiety was getting worse and worse and worse. And my acupuncturist, if you believe in that sort of stuff, they were saying that my body was always stressed out. That's why I always had this muscle tension in my back and all these different things. And um, even when I was um, uh, talking to people on the phone, because I do high ticket sales, I would ha always have a hint of anxiety, even with like lots and lots of reps. I would always have a lot of anxiety before the phone call or meeting new people. And it's just like, this never happened before. I was, a, I'm an extreme extrovert by nature. I get really charged up. I love going to events and stuff. And whenever I would just try to sit down as well, my mind would consistently race, race, race. And I couldn't, it was so hard to just focus and sit down. And so after kind of realizing that after drinking that whole bottle of concentrated coffee, I just knew I had to quit. And so, uh, with a little help from Alex Becker and watching his videos, I wanted to kind of, if you're, if you're kind of curious about how to quit coffee or caffeine, cold Turkey, here's three tips. Um, you know, he, these are the things that I wish I knew before quitting cold Turkey as well. So I'm going to share three tips that will definitely help you out. First tip is block out extra time to sleep and rest. So Notice when you drink coffee, it actually prevents drowsiness and all that and restores alertness by doing this one thing. It blocks the receptor that adenosine binds to it. And because of that, caffeine actually prevents that drowsiness, right? And so what this means is when you don't have caffeine anymore, you're going to be even more tired than you were than not drinking caffeine. And um, I actually experienced that exact moment where I was like, holy shit, I am so tired right now. And so for the first 24 hours, guess what? It wasn't too bad. Uh, yes, my focus was kind of off. I kind of felt like tired a little bit and I was just like waking up. But honestly, um, honestly, like it was it was kind of I could I can make it work out. But as soon as it hit the 48 hour mark, oh, my God, I felt like a truck freaking hit me. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was just so exhausted to that point where I just didn't want to do anything. And all I wanted to do 
was sleep. That's all I did uh, during that second day. I think I slept like 16 hours, something ridiculous there. And I wasn't prepared for it at the moment. Luckily, I didn't have too much scheduled during that day, but it was an ultimate productivity killer. Um, so if I were to quit coffee again, uh, basically what I would do is block out two to three days and probably do it on a weekend and make sure that I didn't have any crucial deadlines as well. Let's say if you do have something and you need something to get you going in the morning, that leads me to my next point. Substituting your morning with something like Tulsi tea. And guess what? Here's the truth, honest to God truth. <sighs> One of the best productivity highs ever is caffeine. I mentioned it before. I told you about my story. And when you hit that right dose, it's like perfect because you're buzzed enough where you can focus, but you're not too buzzed where your thoughts are like going a billion miles per hour. So how do you find a good alternative or replacement? Well, the closest thing I found personally is something like Tulsi tea. And I actually stumbled upon it when I was taking my herbal um, medicine rotation in pharmacy school when I was studying to be a pharmacist. And so uh, if you guys don't know how Tulsi works, so this is a little bit of woo woo, but Tulsi works because it's an adaptogen. It's basically uh, a, a herbal substance that helps people um, cope with stress or helps manage stress. So basically, uh, you'll see things like you won't have that huge crash or that huge cortisol spike that you would get with uh, normal coffee as well. Um, if I were to compare caffeine to Tulsi, Tulsi is like that really slow controlled campfire that will last throughout the night. Caffeine is like pouring fuel on the fire. It's a quick burn, but then you're just you just left with nothing. You're you're done after that. So the best part about Tulsi too is that it's a very clean tasting uh, tea and it tastes pretty damn good. One of my favorite things is actually I, like you can use hot water to brew it. You can use cold water and cold brew it either way. And if you add some stevia, throw it in the fridge, it makes for a really good iced tea. As well. Try it. I mean, try it at the minimum. It's cheap. I don't think you guys will be disappointed with it. Again, if you want to try the brand that I use, I'll leave some links below in the description as well. But what happens if you need that taste of coffee? Is there a better way to replace that? You bet. So this leads me into tip number three. Curb your coffee cravings with something like chicory root. Actually, I have some chicory root right here. Wow, just spilled that all over myself. But have you ever stepped into a Vietnamese uh, restaurant and seen those orange tins like up on the counter and all that named Cafe Du Monde? Cafe Dumont is known for their beignets, I think. That's how you say it. <laughs> Please don't kill me if I pronounce it wrong. But they're known for that in um, in Louisiana. And uh, I actually stumbled upon it when I wanted to make coffee, Vimini's coffee at home. Um, and what I found out was really interesting. So Cafe Dumont, um, there's two different ingredients in there. There's obviously the French roast beans, and then there's the chicory root in there. And while, while I can't drink... Cafe Dumont anymore because there's caffeine in there. Um, it turns out that actually chicory has been used for coffee substitute for centuries. They actually, you know, fun fact, the reason why it blew up in Louisiana was because they didn't actually have access to a lot of coffee beans. So they wanted, they needed a substitute and they started using um, things like, uh, like chicory root, which has a lot of inulin. It's really good for your gut. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I first drank it, um, I was actually quite surprised. It doesn't taste exactly like coffee, but has that slight bitterness and slight sweetness to it. 
has a lighter body com compared to something like coffee as well. And also the best part is um, things like Tulsi over here or things like uh, chicory over here. There's no caffeine in it, so you can actually drink it whenever you want. So it makes for a good substitute. So give it a shot. So uh, you might be asking after I give you kind of these tips, am I quitting coffee for good? And the truth is at the time of this writing, haven't had a single drop of coffee for about three to four weeks. And honestly, the first 72 hours were brutal, but it was pretty bearable. I mean, at first, you know, like I was thinking about coffee. I was getting that pounding headache. I was like, dude, I need that energy kick. But to be honest, these days, I don't even think about it at all. And in this, in addition to the reduced coffee cravings, some of the things that I noticed was that, well, one, I was a lot less anxious. Another thing, uh, I felt like a lot more relaxed and my energy levels are more leveled out. Now, some of the downsides as well, I don't feel like maybe because I'm going through the lot, like the 30 days, I don't feel as mentally sharp as I was on coffee. Like it's hard for me to recall certain words sometimes. And so that, that has been a little difficult for me. But other than that, I, I really like the feeling that I have not drinking coffee. So will I quit forever? Most likely not. Um, I still really enjoy the social aspect of coffee. I enjoy the taste, but I'm definitely going to limit my coffee intake to either drinking it like once a month, once a week, maybe, but I'm going to make it a hard rule not to really essentially like bundle it with my productivity as well. So you might be asking yourself, you're watching this video and you're just like, Kevin, should I go on a caffeine detox? My, this is my, well, not official recommendation, but I would consider going on a caffeine detox. If you know, if you feel like you can't go a day without coffee and you feel anxious and you don't know why you have nothing coming up and you're just like, damn, Kevin, so freaking anxious. Consider the, giving this a shot because guess what? It'll help you exercise that discipline muscle and, um, it might, it might solve your problem right there. And worst case scenario, you can't do it. You can always go back to coffee. It's not the underworld. So those are my thoughts about coffee. Again, I'll leave uh, links to the Tulsi and um, chicory root, and I'll leave a link to a French press that I use as well. Um, and we'll just go from there. But all right. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is what I'm struggling with. I've been struggling with this for a while, and it's called dopamine intoxication. At least that's what Alex Becker calls it. Um, so basically he was talking about the warning signs of dopamine intoxication. So let's face it, something like dopamine detox is hard. And if you failed before, you're not alone. Um, if you haven't caught my recent videos about dopamine detoxing, I'll leave in the, uh, card links as well, but essentially what it is, it's like living like a monk and minimalizing your life to its basic necessities or activities. And the thought behind, uh, the whole dopamine detoxing is that, um, in the modern day, like think about it like this. We have phones, we have computer notifications going off. We have a lot of stimulus every single day and we get overloaded with information, especially with social media and Netflix binging and all that. And pretty much, you know, it's pretty interesting. I was talking to my friends and I was like, can you believe it? 20 years ago, we did, we like 20 years ago, we never thought we could do so much with our phones. And these days you can do almost everything with your phones. There's a few things that you can't, but let's not get into that. Um, with dopamine detoxing, it's the practice of giving your mind space, right? And basically re reducing, getting rid of all the stimulant, um, stimulants in your life and having a stimulant free environment to, you know, <clears throat> um, 
to be able to give yourself the space to think for a second, to just pause and come up with the insights, solution for your problems and hit the reset uh, button on your brain. So it's a really great time to exercise that discipline that I was talking about earlier and just really refocus on the main goals of your life. So if you want a more practical explanation, essentially what you're doing is like you're throwing yourself into a room. It could, it could be outside too, but you're basically throwing in yourself in a boring place, boring yourself to de death. And then when you go back to normal life, anything, I'll tell you, anything makes you excited. So you want, now that you know what it is, you're probably wondering, Kevin, how do I do it? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about how to do it. So like I mentioned earlier, um, basically you're living like a monk for at least 24 to 48 hours. And so right now, if you're watching this in quarantine or maybe it's post quarantine and you got some time to kill, um, spend a weekend doing it. So personally, when I, when I do it, uh, what I like to do is just actually do a full fast, um, not eat anything. I like to cut out the hub. I like to cut out non-work essential type of activities, like things like social media and obviously coffee too, which I talked about in my last, in the previous segment before. Some of the other things that people have come up with is that they, they focus on cutting out things like social media. They cut out even reading sometimes of books, magazines, obviously no sex, no masturbation, uh, no food, no talking, any form of media, coffee or stimulants. Have you ever seen that scene from Black Mirror? And there's this, and I forget which one, um, which one it was, but it's the one where he wants to talk to the CEO and the CEO guy is like in the middle of nowhere. That's pretty much dopamine fasting. I, I think it's like a Silicon Valley type of trend as well. So interesting stuff, but pretty much there isn't that much you can do other than writing, uh, meditating, walking or hiking, deep thinking, drinking water. You can even do dry, dry fast too, but it's a lot all in that short period of time. And actually for me, um, it felt really effortless. Like at first it sounds really daunting, but you just take it moment by moment and the results were really amazing. So, uh, for one, I actually outlined this marketing strategy, which you're seeing, I came up with a weekly hustle during a dopamine fast. I came up with new content ideas for refugee hustle, YouTube, even my, uh, my investing course as well. And I helped, uh, I helped my high ticket sales clients make even more money and, um, really double down on, um, what I needed to focus on in life. And for a long time, for a while, I, I actually felt like I was on cloud nine all until dopamine toxication hit. And so you might be asking yourself, what is dopamine toxication? What does it look like? I don't even know that's a real word, but that's how Alex Becker, um, put it. So what does it look like? And basically what it is, is dopamine detox relapse, right? Um, you'll hear this in the no fap or not community or no fap community where you relapse. And I guess one of the reasons why I started something like a dopamine detox was that I was actually losing complete control of my life. And so at first I was really, really good. Um, and I, there wasn't much to do since I was in quarantine, but around day 14, I started relapsing and this is kind of what it looked like, right? I would have a hard day and decide to you know what, Kevin, cut yourself a break, watch one YouTube video. And for me, I love watching gaming videos and all that. That's like my, my addiction of choice, uh, and Jersey shore. So one video actually turned into a whole late night YouTube binge. I could not stop watching these videos. And then during my YouTube binges, 
I would have irresistible cravings for non-keto food, like things like bun me, pizza, fries, all this sort of stuff that definitely does not fit my keto diet whatsoever. And so I started binging on that. And then the next morning, because I went on this binge of not only food sometimes, but even the media itself, I would wake up so lethargic that I wouldn't want to even get out of bed. And it was really, really bad. I found myself getting out later and later and later. And honestly, the cycle would repeat over again, waking up later each day and it would progressively get worse. And here's the important thing, like just like when people talk about NoFap, whenever I slipped, I felt like I was so undisciplined. I felt like, damn, Kevin, you're freaking fail, man. You can't even do this. And I felt this overwhelming guilt knowing that I was self-sabotaging myself, self-sabotaging my goals and whatnot. And then these things that I mentioned earlier slowly was, were creeping back in, into my life. Like I started revisiting these habits of watching the hub and all this sort of stuff. And it was a killer to my productivity. And it wasn't until I stumbled upon this one thing where it really helped me crack the code of dopamine relapse, how to recover. And so what did I do? I obviously went to YouTube for the answer. Uh, I stumbled upon Alex Becker's video about dopamine intoxication. And there were three main takeaways that I really got from this video that I'm actually applying at this moment because I'm going through it right now. And so first of all, you need to revisit, revisit your vision uh, before the urges. And I know when I say vision, sometimes it sounds kind of woo woo, but when I say vision, basically what it means is revisit your goals. Sometimes you forget, why am I doing this in the first place? Well, you know, there's vague answers like, I want to be a better person or I want to be my best self. While these might be true, you need to be hyper-specific about what you want, like why you want things. And this is where I think like things like the Life Force 8 and cash advertising really go hand in hand because it breaks down the... the um the the main human wants like what are the things that we absolutely need and so for myself it really came down to uh relaunching uh kick-ass investing to help more millennials how to invest relaunching a youtube series on my youtube channel that was more authentic to me that felt good that i felt excited again and ob obviously raising more uh working capital for the next ca cash flow business that i'm going to be uh pursuing but all these things, they require time, right? And honestly, watching the hub wasn't getting me to my goals. I would find myself even like watching the hub for about like one hour. And I'd be like, dude, this is so after, you know, during it's like, whatever, I just need more time. But honestly, it screws you up because um, you just burn so much time. One hour each day, that's seven hours a week. So it really, really adds up. So you have to go back to what is your why and what are the consequences if you don't hit these goals? If you don't hit these goals or, or get to them, what was the cost of doing nothing or cost of inaction, right? Um, and so, you know, um, these short-term wants, these short-term desires are really a disconnect of what you really want and association, associating the benefit with that. So the second thing that you need to do is really identify your temptation triggers. So first of all, it's really rare to spontaneously binge on porn and fast food at the same time. You probably have some problems going out in public if you were to do that. But basically, uh, there's usually the one temptation trigger that starts to spiral. And so um, Alex Becker, he recommends writing down exactly what happens when you start spiraling 
and identify the point of origin for myself like that story that i gave you i actually wrote those down just now and i realized oh it all starts with watching that one video and by identifying that one temptation trigger you can build systems around it so i would probably uh i deleted youtube off my main work phone i'm planning to get a separate phone just for work phone as well so i can plan for that as well or the third thing is um you know if you're really now that you've kind of done these other two steps that you've identified the triggers you've kind of identified uh your goals and revisited those again you can build momentum through fasting so just like how i said temptation triggers can build negative momentum basically what this means is that you can hit the reset button on your brain and with fasting and start building that positive momentum again and so why why recommend something like fasting first of all there's this psychological sense of clarity when you fast like i wasn't really that big into fasting until probably this last year or two um where it's is this indescribable feeling um it's a specific goal too that isn't impossible right going on 24-hour fast not eating for a day is not a big deal you're not going to shrivel up and die for most people obviously consult your healthcare professional because i don't want to get sued right but i am a healthcare professional too when i finish my 48-hour fast the last thing i want to eat is a pizza because you just have this clean feeling and you just want to get back to business uh fasting also allows is the one tangible thing that allows you to take back your power and control your body and mind right trust me it's nothing beats the mental clarity of a 48 hour fast i'm actually considering going on a 72 hour dry fast as well probably not recommended for everyone but i definitely want to try it but you want to know the truth about dopamine detoxing the truth is dopamine detoxing is supposed to be hard like think about it for a second um it's a lot to ask someone to quit everything at once it takes a lot of willpower and think about willpower as like a bucket with these you know um though if you if you're doing too many things think of those as a whole if you have too many holes your willpower gets drained so quickly but if you're focused on one thing the more willpower that you have to sustain that um the content inside of the bucket as well so um like i said it's it's a lot to ask of someone to quit everything at once and one of the reasons why i think i broke at that time was because i was doing too many things you know i was quitting caffeine and that in itself was hard enough and being in quarantine and not having your other needs met is a huge problem as well like for me i don't get to enjoy things like the gym i don't get to enjoy things like my personal relationships anymore but you know i know through this quarantine relationships are built with time you know or uh, discipline is built with time and part of the human experience is failing trying being in pain that's part of it right and so i would love to ask you who is watching this are you currently doing a dopamine detox if so i'd love to kind of hear from you all right so the next thing i want to talk about is what i'm thinking and this part actually was stemmed uh i wanted to talk about why asian parents say don't say i love you right and so the other day as um it was memorial day and if you guys don't know my whole family uh they're all vets in the military and stuff my dad was in the air force and um the other day i was just thinking about my father and i was organizing some of my favorite articles on refugee hustle and i stumbled upon this old post a letter to my dad on his first birthday without him and so I'm taking a look back at my relationship with my dad and it's amazing to see how much can change in just a short amount of time. 
So as I kind of look back at my relationship with my dad, a lot of things have come up. We've gotten into huge arguments, but if you take a look at the longer vision of everything, it's so amazing to see what can change in 15 years. Never mind six months when I really focused on making my relationship better with my dad. And so I want to explain this. Um, growing up, like a lot of Asian fathers, my dad was not very supportive. Um, he wasn't the type of person to say, I love you. Um, and my dad wasn't often supportive with anything I did, right? Like he didn't even show up to my high school graduation, you know? And so all I can remember, like from my childhood, when I think about memories of my father, like, you know how people, you know, like, yeah, we used to hug and so, dude, we never had that. I just remember getting like a few things, getting my ass beat. Um, and I just remember constantly fighting with my dad, like all the freaking time. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tough feeling. To, like, I know some people struggle, like not having a father at all, but it's another feeling, another experience to grow up with your father present in your life. And accepting the fact that, you know what, I just have to go through life without depending on my dad. And imagine being like a six or seven year old, trying to swallow that maybe even older, maybe about 10 years old. Okay. But imagine getting to that point and just like, man, I have to just navigate this world with no one else, you know, and that's kind of like the source of my motivation because I've always been trying to search, searching for the answers of how to be a man, how to do this, how do I, how do I navigate this world? It got so bad to the point where I even questioned my own self-worth, like telling myself every night. And I was about 14, 16 years old. Every single night, I remember like, saying things like the world would be so much better without me would anyone care if i didn't wake up tomorrow and that was my relationship with my father so now looking back 15 years later obviously a lot has changed obviously dad isn't here anymore for me but you know people can change with a bit of tlc um if you guys are new you don't know what tlc is tender loving care right and so you know during the last six months of my dad's life um, I put in a lot of effort, like a lot of effort. I was like, you know, you can't change the past. I really like, it's one here thing that you say like you can't change the past, but it's another thing to really internalize it and actually put in the work. So I would call my dad more. Um, I even roomed with my dad on a family vacation, something I would have never done before. And that was, um, that was what some of the best memories I had. And my dad, always mentioned after that moment where I was like, dad, I just want to have a better relationship with you. He always mentioned how he was so proud of me and all that sort of stuff too. And so, um, after going through that experience, what I didn't understand back then was that my dad wasn't necessarily disappointed at me, but he just had severe issues that he never talked about. For example, some of the things that my dad went through was that he didn't grow up without it. He didn't grow up with uh, dad as well. Um, my dad actually, my grandfather actually uh, fought in Italy, um, serving for the U.S. Army in World War II, and he died from thyroid cancer after exposure to mustard gas as well, right? So that was t tough on him, and he lost his dad when he was like, I don't know, six years old. Very few memories with him. My dad also uh, grew up poor, you know, um, and he was working under under table construction jobs since he was 11 years old. Think about it. Doing hard, hard labor 11 years old is crazy. And back then it was a different world because 
you know, everything was under the table. And also my dad, I believe after talking to a lot of people, I believe that my dad actually had PTSD from the Vietnam War um, as well. And so my main point bringing up these things is not just to say like, oh, my dad went through this and that's how he got fucked up. My main point is that sometimes parents, you know, especially Asian parents, they don't really communicate that well. We all know this, like they're very like, (laughs) they're very like, do this, do that. And it's just like, you know, sometimes we have to come from a point of understanding and listening that they aren't always dealt with the best cards and they always try to do what the best of what they know of what they went through. And the best thing that we can ever do is really take the time to understand, accept them for who they are and really lead by example. And so finally, I want to end with a voicemail that um, my dad um, had as well from his birthday right before I was about to leave from California. And it, I can't find a single piece of content that really sums up my relationship with my dad more than that voicemail. So I'll leave in the link below so you guys can check that out. But um, it sums up how a lot of Asian parents show their love for their children as well. And even though that he didn't say it, uh, I know deep down inside he cared a lot. And so I just want to say thank you for everything, Dad. Thank you for your service. Um, and it's another Memorial Day that I miss and love you as well. So I just want to leave off with that. All right. So um, <clears throat> the next thing that I want to talk about as well are thought exercises that I'm revisiting, right? So so recently, I've actually been running into something called writer's block, and you hear about it a lot of time. Or in the book, The War of Art by uh, Stephen Pressfield, really great book, by the way, uh, he calls it resistance. And so you might be asking yourself, what is resistance? Um, and Stephen Pressfield terms this as an invisible force. It's like a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distract us, prevent us from doing work. Might look like procrastination if you're a normal person. Uh, that feeling where you know you should be doing something like studying for exam, but you just don't feel like doing it. And so for me, it's happening right now at this moment, even as I'm as I wrote this episode of the weekly hustle as well, you know, um, and while I'm working on my business. So it shows up, you know, for myself sometimes when I block out time to write and then I have all of a sudden I have the sudden urge to grab in and out or all of a sudden I have the sudden urge to make food, right? (laughs) Or all of a sudden I'll just be tired and want to rest and hell. Sometimes I'll watch the P hub too and break that dopamine fasting that I was telling you guys earlier about. And so you might ask yourself, Hey, why does this happen? Or when does this happen? And I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I can speak for myself and It happens when I start neglecting my own personal needs. So especially being in quarantine, um, I'm definitely not as active as before. I'm actually constantly trying to fight off the weight from quarantine um, as well. I'm not trying to, I'm not practicing yoga, not doing jujitsu. I'm not meeting up with any of my friends. And as a business owner, that work life has kind of creeped up, crept up in every aspect of my life. And I'm working actually more hours because there's less barriers to time. And especially when you're living where you work, um, it's easy to get caught up and get out of balance. And because of this, I'm actually extremely burning out. And I I started ignoring my checklists, uh, my routines, all that sort of stuff. It started slipping as well. 
And honestly, I just haven't been emotionally checking in that much, checking and see how I'm doing. I'm just thinking about, okay, I need to do this, this, and this today. So let's get it. Let's not waste any time. And so um, I thought about like, I, and this is actually how I stumbled across the morning pages again, because I started thinking about like, okay, how, when was I the most productive creatively as well? When did things just flow out? It was when I was really active in the morning pages. And if you guys aren't familiar with the morning pages, there's this great book by Julia Cameron. Uh, it's called The Artist's Way. And she talks about this exercise of the morning pages. And so, um, you know, it all started out when I was burnt out, frustrated. I literally went from making two to three K per week in revenue down to $75 over the course of two weeks or actually 150 bucks in the course of two weeks. And keep in mind, I was putting in double the fulfillment hours. So I was just like, fuck it, blocked off my schedule, took a week to clear my mind. And as I was sitting in my office of like self-pity and stuff, I started asking myself, well, when did when was the last time, Kevin, that you had your shit together? And uh, it was when I was doing my daily morning pages and sticking to my routine. So one of the things I did was I grabbed my tall notebook. And by the way, this is a tall notebook. It's one of my favorite notebooks out there. Because the cool thing about it is that you can remove the pages really easy and then you can put them back and they'll stay, stay together. So that's one of my favorite notebooks. Maybe I'll do a review on this in the future. But I took my toll notebook and uh, grabbed my yoga mat, grabbed my copy of The Artist's Way and went on a hike. Really went out to nature to just escape from everything and practice yoga and do the morning pages. So that's, that, was, that didn't happen too long ago. And so you might be asking yourself how, like, okay, Kevin, I'm interested in doing morning pages. I'll give it a shot. How do I do it? And so I wrote an article about it, which I'll link on Refugee Hustle as well. But the concept is really simple. All you need to do is block about, about 30 minutes um, as well. Take three pages and write them out by hand. And that's about some 750 words first thing in the morning. But the only, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, other than not doing it together. And all you pretty much need to do, you can write the same word, whatever you want, but you need to move your hand from one end of the page across the other end of the page with writing down whatever comes into mind, right? Like like I've had times where I was like, dude, I want to watch porn or I want, I want, uh, I want noodles, right? Things like that. Some random stuff sometimes comes out, you know? And so, Whatever comes out, just write it down. And in the past, I used to do it on the computer because it would be faster, but that's not really necessarily a point. You can certainly do it, but it's getting in the habit to let your mind wander, um, connect odd ideas together, and really give yourself the space to censor, censor yourself without, or without, create space uh, for yourself without censoring yourself. Because so many times we get these self-censoring ideas as well. So, um, think about it like this. It's almost like a, medita a write meditation writing exercise that reduces stress and allows you the time to kind of create insights for um, for your life as well. And so should you do the, something like the morning pages? Well, if you're looking to get in a creative mindset and can't get the ball rolling, then I would consider doing it. It really takes very little little money. You can just literally do it on a piece of printer paper and grab a pen um and start doing it and these are one of my core uh cornerstone habits that 
help fill up my creative juices. So again, if I were to take a cup, right? And, oh shit, sometimes when we create content, we're taking a sip and, or we fuck up and we spill, spill our creative juices on the floor, you might want to fill it back up. And this is one way to do it. So, um, there's that. Um, if you, like I said, all you really need is a piece of paper and a pen, but, uh, if you want to invest in a few things, some things I would invest in is this, uh, tall notebook and the artist way. I'll leave some affiliate links below. Uh, so you can support my channel too. Would really appreciate it as well, but either way, give it a shot. Hope that helps you and let me know. Are, are you practicing the, the morning pages? Let me know if you have, and let me know what your thoughts are about, about it. All right. And so, um, the last thing I want to talk about today is what I've been listening to recently. And this is something that I feel very like at first I actually had another song that I had, but just before I shot this video, I changed it up and because I thought it was more with the times as well with what's been happening recently. And the one video I want you guys to watch during this whole black lives matter movement. So I want to tell you something that I've been listening to recently. Uh, I've been going on hikes and listening it over and over and over again. And especially in this climate of black lives matter and all that. And there's a lot of rioting. There's a lot of protesting as well. I mean, people, people are letting small businesses on fire. Um, you know, there's a lot of pain in the world and not to say like burning down small businesses is, is a good thing or anything like that. I mean, 10 planet Long beach, like, as you guys know, I'm a huge jujitsu fan and, uh, it was burned down, you know, for no good reason. It was part of the community as well. And so, yes, there's a lot of these theories about agitators and all that, but you know, let's not distract from the main point. Like these looters, if you're, if you're stealing shit or anything like that, you're really taking away the focus from the black lives matters movement. And really one of the things that I think everyone can listen to or relate to is actually Joyner Lucas. I'm not a racist. And, you know, I've actually been listening to a lot of Joyner's music and I just really fuck with it. You know, um, we're about the same age. He actually grew up in Worcester where I went to school for about seven years, man. A lot of my good friends live out in Worcester too. And so there's just so much I relate to this guy. And especially in a time where things are so chaotic, I mean, Joyner Lucas like really paints out the number one thing that society needs on both sides. It's really the empathy part, listening to others. Um, it's really an interesting thing that I've been seeing on social media too is that people are getting at rappers or famous celebrities who aren't saying anything and saying, saying that you just don't care, right? If you don't say anything and I'm not saying this is right, but you know, sometimes in, in sometimes what's not as valued these days is just taking the time to stop and think and think strategically about how you want to approach a problem because chances are if you can put in a hashtag or something it's probably not going to impact make the impact that you want right and so um what's also rare too these days is just sitting back and listening observing listening to opposing thoughts without reacting or attacking others like one thing i notice is like um 
you know, it's so rare to sit back and listen listen to opposing arguments or perspectives without reacting or attacking others. You know, it's kind of hard to, you know, get your point across if you don't understand the other side. And it's more rare than others, especially with this generation, I notice, right? Um, but Joyner does a great job doing it because there's a few great things about the song. I'm not a racist. He paints both sides of the picture, right? And he had to actively put himself in the in a white white person's perspective to understand the situation that's at hand. And I thought he did a great job doing it. And he can say these things. He can say these things, and people will listen to him because one, it's an art form. It's a beautiful, like, he, dude, he spits fire, man. Like, I love Joyner Lucas. He's one of my favorite rappers right now uh, in 2020. And so he he does it as, a, as an art form. And he's also black, too. So he can speak, like, intelligently about everything that's going on. Like, what, where the emotions come from. How people are feeling and stuff like that. How they feel like they're not listened to. It's really great. And I think what Joyner says as well as like the message behind it is like, Hey, it's okay to think different. And that's something that we can all agree on, but what's needed in the world is really to listen to everyone. And there's one great quote. Uh, there's two sides to every story. I wish I knew yours, right? So powerful. Uh, I'll leave a link below for his video. So check that out. Anyways, that's pretty much it for the weekly hustle. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe if you like this. If you have requested topics, uh, let me know as well. The next episode will probably be a Q&A episode because I've been getting a lot of emails. So I took some of the best emails, the best DMs and stuff, and I compiled, compiled it into one. It took me a long time to compile these because I put in a lot of thought into all these um, these topics as well. And so uh, if there's any requested topics, please let me know. Uh, and and uh sign up for refugee hustle otherwise i'll talk to you later and you can watch more of my episodes also feel free to binge on more weekly hustle episodes i'll leave a card in the end description or i'll leave a card in one of the corners as well all right take care be safe guys and i'll see you guys next week take care